we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 181 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside the fan favorites back again for another week, somewhere between iconic and psychotic. Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm I'm very well. I've got raging toothache, uh, which we'll go into a bit later. But I, I have good news, and that is that the crime, climate crisis is over. British summertime has returned with a vengeance, and it's pissing down outside. I thought that might be hail that's dropping on the uh, the rooftop there. Is that is that what it is, or is it just a lot no, of rain? No, that, that, that's just rain, but it, it makes that much noise on this, this slanted roof. So, uh, yeah, I apologize for any background noise that our listener may... may um, be experiencing unfortunately how are you oh i'm i'm doing fine thank you very much i i was a little cheesed off before we began today but i told you all about that and it was uh yeah yeah that's that's quite um you know what maybe we should just have a little bash about that because um that's that's quite annoying the, the amount of I, i'm just going to speak in general terms here i'm not going to i'm not going to name names the amount of um uh occupational laziness does that sound right occupational laziness that we encounter now is is beyond reproach. It's not just laziness; as well. it's um, incompetence as well. Because That's this is too. a couple yeah. of things that I want to. I haven't got much to say this week, but as one would expect from a curmudgeonly old man, some of the most minor things that other people just ignore really grind my gears and and that's the polite way of putting it so what you were describing to me earlier yeah it's 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 irritating in that big companies or even small companies just can't be bothered to train their people properly or follow a working process that will get the results that you expect from them I was having dinner last night with somebody and they were explaining the uh, problems that small businesses are having in their town where they live. And it, we're just talking about like a small little pizza place. OK, and you can't get people to actually want to do anything. There, there was there was a guy that uh, that was running the place was his business and the customer was sitting there and the guy started shouting at all of his people. And customer asked, why are you shouting at everybody? And he says, because I can't get any of these people to actually do what I hired them to do. They just don't want to do anything and they don't want to follow any instructions. They don't want to follow any directions. Nothing. I get the same feeling 
when I go to, say, um, one of these call-in services, you know, I have to call these customer support lines and things from time to time. Yeah. And it's it's almost like you have to draw things out in crayon for for them to understand. And I, I don't I don't know how these types get put in these positions that are just I don't, I don't want to say it's again, I, I, I think it's laziness, but I, I tend to agree with your assessment more. It's incompetence. And I'll tell you what it is. If you look at the age bracket, and now I'm going to be accused of being ageist, but if you look at the people we've got in these roles, anything from 18 up to about 35 years old, they've grown up playing computer games. And I play computer games, and, and I like a, a good computer well, game. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Just to defend you a little bit. You're, you're an analyst, and you're doing research. Uh, I do research, yes. Uh, uh, but also, because the way that training has moved, there is a lot more gamification of training. Actual tasks that somebody might have to carry out are turned into a game, and they play the game, and that constitutes training. Now, I... I, I hold my own judgment on whether that's effective. It can be effective. And the argument is that it's more suited to the people that are going through training at the moment and their age group. It's because they expect everything to be intuitive. So when you pick up a, a new game to play, if it doesn't lead you by the nose and make it easy for you, people stop playing that game. And when they move into the world of work, uh, they expect to be able to turn up and just do whatever it is the job that they've got entails and that it should be intuitive. If some things need to be emphasized and learned, they simply are not doing it. They're not getting that hands-on practical training that teaches them how to do a job. And they're certainly not being criticized strongly enough when they get it wrong after whatever training they've had. We're living in a world where you can't be criticized and you're not being forced to do anything, air quotes, that you might find hard or strenuous or difficult. I know, again, we're not off topic. I think it's important that we understand that part of the conversation that you had with Bruce last on the last uh, issue of the podcast was about conservatives and, and why... They're trying to get rid of conservatives in, in big organizations. If you take the literal meaning of a conservative, someone who conserves the status quo, then yes, of course, they want to get rid of them because those are the ones that will call bullshit on some of the other things that are happening that maybe will be to the detriment of society, the organization, the establishment, whatever you want to call it. So this lack of willingness to do the job right and therefore the manifest incompetence that shows up, that is demonstrated by those individuals, is either something we're going to have to address as society as a whole or we're just going to have to live with it and, and things will get progressively worse because no one is conserving the good parts. They are just letting this new way of doing things, which is the bad way, the wrong way, the incompetent way, carry on. But yeah, any one of the woke generations could just dismiss everything I've got to say as, oh, you're just old, you're of the wrong generation. We'll see, shall we? We shall, yeah. I honestly, I don't see a way 
I, I talked yesterday very briefly about the education system and how it's been subverted and, and how it's been taken over and, and people's ability to rationalize, people's ability to reason has been removed from them. And so they become a, a reactionary. They become emotionally driven and they're not able to process what's happening around them. And so therefore, they'll be more susceptible to a, a totalitarian or a collective a totalitarian form of, of rule. Uh, in the future. So I think that on top of the lack of any applicable skills that anyone would, would possess, they, they just don't have it. And I don't know if you can go back and, and re reteach that. I know people who have unfortunately had to work in call centers. They get training in the call center. They get training on a number of things. The most objectionable thing, no pun intended, is objection handling. So if you're trying to sell someone something over the telephone and they start to go, nah, no, nah, I'm not too sure this is for us. They've got a whole raft of statements uh, and ways of in to, to persuade you otherwise, to keep you on the phone. Because the longer you're on the phone, the more chance there is of them making a sale. So that's one area that people in call centers, cold callers, you know, being successful at their job, objection handling. On the other, on the flip side of that, you've got the situation where if you get angry as the person being called, they are given strict instructions about how to end the call if you use abusive language or swear or generally show them any kind of disrespect. So when you're dealing with places where you phoned up to complain and you're getting, you know, stonewalled, and given the runaround, when you get angry about it, they cannot wait. This is the only bit of the training they've really paid any attention to. They cannot wait to say, I'm going to hang up if you say that again, and then get you off the call. This is, it, it's it's ludicrous. But, you know, it's how you can tell the difference between a scammer and a genuine call as well. Because the scammer, doesn't matter what you say to them, most of the time they'll just stay on the call. They'll keep you on that call because you're probably being charged a fortune for just the, the call cost. So, yeah, it, I'm afraid it's uh, a real indictment on modern society that these call centers and these distance sales. And, you know, if you want to complain about some something, you don't go face to face with someone anymore. You're on the end of a phone or you're in a chat page on a website. Yeah. So they are protected from your face, for instance, because I maintain that 70% of uh, communication is nonverbal. And so from someone's expression, their mannerisms, their body language, you can tell whether or not you're, you're being helpful or you are just pissing them off further. And of course, someone at the end of the phone doesn't get any of that um, non-verbal information. I know somebody that doesn't like cold callers very much. And I, I know that you're one of them. You've brought that up on your, uh, your room 101 topic from, uh, from time to time. And that I, I completely understand, but I know someone I think that hates cold callers even more than you do. Every time they get one, in fact, they take the phone, they don't say anything. They just take the phone, they set it down, they put a pot lid over top of it and they start smashing it with a spoon. Is it GP? That sounds like something he might do. It is not that person, but yeah, all right, okay, person, yeah, but yes, that is that. Uh, that is one way to deal with a cold caller, I guess. All right, well, I tell you what, let's get off of that and let's move into the events of the day. Uh, I'm, I know this is this is going to be a little bit painful for you, but uh, the Russians have confirmed that 
the Wagner warlord uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin has been buried. Uh, he was uh, he was laid to rest, and he uh, he had a low key private funeral for um, uh, for friends and and family. You know, close close comrades uh, were there, and all the Russian state media outlets were there, citing alleged sources close to um, the company that he represents. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just so emotional. Uh, reported yeah, that the head me, of the organization. You it, are it, you're, you're emotional yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. You see how emotional uh, that guy is there. Is that a guy or a lady? I, I, well, I'm not sure. But I, I think it's a guy because they don't, supposedly, they don't accept that in, in Russia. So, uh, But anyway, um, they held a private service in St. Petersburg um, just a couple of days ago, preventing hordes of supporters from organizing a mass gathering. Oh, that, that's, um, it's, it's very sad. But, oh dear, how sad? Never mind. We're supposed to just take all this stuff on board, just believe it, and the press just keeps going with it. it it's just a, a breadcrumb thrown in our general direction. If he's dead, he's dead. If he's not dead, then we'll never see the light, you know, him anywhere ever again. Um, no one saw a body, but then again, from a plane crash, are you likely to have an open casket? Probably not. Yeah. Sorry, I I haven't got a lot to say on the on the topic. Other you don't. Than- you don't. I. It's 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 really sad to see. You know the the former hot dog vendor. You know the the hot dog salesman during the Soviet Union. It, it's it's tough. You know it's tough when you lose an iconic individual like that. You know I bet he had the best hot dogs this side of Moscow. I bet he did. Goodness knows what they were made of. They were probably made from I don't know. <laughs> How can you not laugh at that? I'm sorry. Anyhow, yeah. well, for those that are just mourning over the uh, the demise of uh, Mr. Prigozhin, uh, unfortunately, I've got some bad news. Mr. Prigozhin, according to the uh, the Daily Fail, is seen in some new footage. He's in Africa, and he suggests that well, you know, everything's fine. Uh, I'm quoting here from the uh, the video that he has um, posted. He says, "How am I doing?" It's the weekend, the second half of August in 2023. I'm in Africa, speaking to the, uh, he said, speaking to the camera. He says, so fans of discussing my elimination, my intimate life, earnings or whatever, as a matter of fact, everything's fine. Yeah, but we've seen the video footage where you can superimpose somebody else's features onto you uh, as, as you video something is there now it's it's a reality you you can no longer trust anything you see and apparently that's progress you know the these kinds of advancements in just the same way that gain of function research was banned and a complete moratorium put on it the kind of video tech that allows you to impersonate someone with such a high degree of accuracy should also perhaps have been banned and stopped because it, it doesn't allow any trust in anything you you watch. Uh, you know, a, a piece of evidence uh, or a statement given by someone that could be a career ender for that individual could be from one of their opponents. You just don't know anymore. So, like I said, I'll I'll reserve judgment on that as to whether he's he's dead and buried and whether that was a chap or a lady putting a red rose on onto his casket while crying uh, while crying whilst crying yeah uh funny that that you know they didn't have a wider shot showing more people queuing up it was just that well, one see, individual no, it was a, 
No, it was a low key private gathering. You see, they prevented the uh, the, the masses, you know, the uh, or mass supporters. They didn't they didn't want the mass supporters there. So you see, they they had to just keep it low key. They just you know, immediate friends and family. Well, let's face it. The only way they'd get a big crowd was if they were providing free vodka and pork products as as part of the deal to turn up. I don't think they can do that. Bruce actually pointed out to me last night, as soon as we had finished up, he was doing some looking and he's got more to talk on it uh, next week. He, he says that um, because of the economic situation in Russia at the moment due to their ruble, the Russians are having to, unfortunately, and this is not actually something that is, is good to talk about. This is terrible. But they're having to go without some things in the last few weeks and it's not showing any signs of getting any better. Um, they're having to cut back on just some of the essential things like food. So no vodka or pork products would be available, I think. Well, I mean, a highly processed pork sausage put into a hot dog probably doesn't count as food. True. And vodka is made from potatoes, but then again, they can just use the potato skins to make it as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe maybe that's happening or maybe Mm -hmm. that's not happening. I just don't know anymore. I can't trust a single word I hear. No, you can't. All right, on to uh, on to the UK. You're aware of the uh, the Notting Hill Carnival, yeah? We uh, we covered it a little bit last year. This year, yeah, yeah. This year they had a. It was a successful one, uh, according to uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan. He says that um, the Notting Hill Carnival is one of the most safe and inclusive celebrations that the country has. And this year, a successful Notting Hill Carnival ended up with the following. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying that anyone from any festival in my country is any better. So I'm not trying to be condescending here at all. 75 police officers were assaulted. Six were bitten. One was sexually assaulted. One in the hospital. Eight people were stabbed. 385 arrests. And one illegal gun was seized. I don't know what you expect me to say to that. I mean, those kind of levels of crime happen in London all the time. If you add to the mix a great big carnival with people, you know, dancing through the streets with floats and loud reggae music, they are bound to increase anywhere where you put more people. So if he thinks that's successful, then it just demonstrates either what a liar or a complete idiot Sadiq Khan is. I mean, there there you go. There's a, there's a guy on the floor, for the benefit of the listener, guy was running away from a group of thugs and he finally got cornered and now he's being kicked on the floor by about six or eight people. But this this looks like an inter-gang thing because many of the people that are doing the chasing are black or Asian and the people on the floor getting kicked are Caucasian. So why? What, why do they have to... Um, uh, engage in this in what is meant to be a fun festival. And why um, does I'm just curious. You you have police officers. They have arrest powers. Why is that person not being arrested? Well, effectively, because they don't want to cause the trouble. The police are too scared to actually arrest someone for squirting a water bottle, uh, effectively a water pistol, at a police officer. Ultimately, it's it's disrespectful and it is a form of common assault. However. The ensuing crowd riot when they try and drag that guy off in handcuffs is more of a problem because they haven't got sufficient numbers to deal with it and they are being governed and told what to do by a very woke agenda. This this is London, don't forget. And that is true, yeah. 
you and Bruce were talking about Maui, yeah? About yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts why, on that, too. Why Hawaii, in general, is very Democrat, left-leaning. If you look at a place that has got very little industry, and there's not a lot of industry in Hawaii, uh, you've, you've got certain government facilities, such as on you know, on Oahu with Pearl, where you've got this massive dockyard and naval base, which employs a lot of local people. On the other islands, you've got hotels, restaurants, leisure facilities, uh, tourist attractions. They're not terribly well paid and it's fairly seasonal. And so the, the type of people living in those communities, the poorer ones, are going to look to the left for socialist politics, handouts, welfare support, those kind of things. And it's the same in London. The only people who live in London are are now mostly from immigrant families. All of the white families have moved out. Not all of them, but most. And those individuals, unless they're working in the the banks and the financial institutions within London, are, are employed in the hospitality industry or as cleaners. And therefore, they will look to the left as well because they're they're not in careers where they are going to uh, realise any great wealth. So they they are more susceptible to looking to the left for the handout. They're hardworking people, don't get me wrong. They're they're working. If If you've ever worked in a hotel, a bar or a restaurant, you know just how hard you have to work. You know, it's it's not something where you can just coast along. Uh, and if you're not pulling your weight, it gets noticed. Just like you were saying about your guy with the, the pizza place where he was shouting and screaming at the staff because they, they weren't doing what he'd asked them to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, that they're lazy. What I am saying is because their aspirations have this block in the they're stuck in an industry where they they can't make it for themselves and and can't be high earners they are looking to the left for socialist policies that will see handouts benefits go in their direction and it's the same i think personally it's the same in hawaii where the majority of the people the the people who are you know polynesians is it polynesians I think it is, isn't it? Native Hawaiians. Yeah, native, Polynesians native, are further out. The further south, out, south sorry. Sea, yeah, further out. Forgive me for misspeaking, but the majority of them, they're, they're basically screwed by their opportunities. They haven't got the opportunities that they might otherwise have on the mainland, where you might have a big manufacturing industry where they can get in at ground level work their way up through the positions within the company and and have a a, a higher degree of monetary success. There, there's more to success than just earning lots of money, but their aspirations are limited by their geography. So they look to the left. And it's the same within London, which is why Khan, standing as a Labour candidate for mayor, as well as the Asian Muslim bloc vote that has seen him, you know, elevated to the position of mayor twice now, I think. That's given the fact that you're putting a whole lot of faith in your, your electoral process, which he used mail-in voting the last time because of COVID. Yeah, again, again though, uh, as I said, London, 7.2 million people and, you know, it, within, you know, greater London as well, majority of them now are either second 
or first generation immigrants Mm -hmm. and a high proportion of them are Muslim and therefore they will at the mosque be told which way to vote by the imam. They all go off and vote and it's a block vote that will secure a Muslim candidate into the role. And to be honest, uh, which we should be, I can't blame them. I can't blame them for, for thinking that way because you want people who have got your same background and your interests at heart in those positions. But what they fail to realize is that Sadiq Khan is all about the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, the 15-minute city, and all those things. He's a globalist. He's not your friend. I would like to get into the Maui thing. I'd like you to take a look at some of the uh, the footage that we've got from down there. And I'd like to get your um, your explanation as to what you think. We threw out some plausible things yesterday, and I'd, I'd like for you to take a look for yourself. But before we do that, one of the big things that um, London is uh, is championing is ULES, right? This, yeah. uh, this big ULES scam. Well, I have got a piece of audio here that we can play. This is a candidate for the uh, the Reform Party. I guess this is another one of your uh, your parties that you got there. Was this the one that Nigel Farage uh, founded too? Was this the, the Reform Party or was that something different? Do you know what? There's been so many because it, it moved from UKIP to something else and then something else. Um, Brexit. But, now there's, I think it's, uh, there's a Reform yeah, Party the in there Brexit now. Party. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is a candidate for the uh, the Reform Party talking about how this ULES policy is going to be just detrimental. And we'll we'll go this this clips a few minutes. Uh, we can play it as, in its entirety. But if you feel like you need to just stop and interject, then just let me know. Right now, delighted to say, nice and warm and cozy in the studio uh, is Howard Cox. He's a candidate for Reform Party UK for the Mayor of London. The next vote is next year. You're also founder of Fair Fuel UK. We've been talking to you about this stuff for years, have we not? We go back far too far, don't we, Had There's no doubt at all that this has become a major political battleground. The Conservatives say they're opposed to it as well. Why is... Reform UK any different to to Conservatives in terms of your opposition to this ULES expansion? Well, it's not just the expansion. Uh, uh, When I get elected next year, on May the 2nd... We like the confidence. Well, we've got to have that. Uh, um, We're going to get rid of all of ULES. It's not just... ULES, supposedly, it's done its job. So why do we need it now? Why do we need to keep actually charging people actually to enter a a zone where, really, most of the cars are passed through MOT tests, they pass the smoke tests, etc. They're perfectly okay. When the underground is so polluted, something like 1,800% more. Come down to the polluted underground, please, and come in, bring your dirty diesel, just as long as you give me the dosh. Yeah, and that's it's always been thought of as a money-making exercise, as we know all of these things uh, are. Um, But this is the thing. Um, It's been very controversial because of the huge costs. I mean, £12.50 a day. I mean, you're looking at over three grand a year, people who have to drive in every weekday. Um, People who, by definition, it's the poorer people who are more affected, because rich people change their cars every few years, and they'll have cars which have been bought in in the years since this was all mooted and we'll know uh, to have, I mean, certainly when we bought our last car, second-hand diesel, but we made darn sure we were we were covered for the zone because we, uh, we, we we wanted to make sure we could still drive it. But there are literally going to be people, and it is, people laugh at this, 
they're going to be people who to simply move out, you know, drive their car out of their driveway, take their kids to the local school, go to the shops and pick something up, they will face a £12.50 charge. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, but today is going to be the administrative chaos because something like 90% of the signs in South East London for the greater London area mm. have been wrecked yeah. by these Blade Runner groups. You know, and I don't know who they are and I don't condone them, but this, the frustration... You have to say that, but your face is different, Howard. <laughs> yes, I know a few of them, but I, honestly, I, I, I don't condone that method of, of doing things. And, and you probably saw the story yesterday that I got into the sun regarding Noel Wilcox, the um, um, uh, scaffolder who's actually challenged the legality yeah. of these signs. These signs do not say because you've got to have a big C. It says you're entering, you're entering the zone, but you don't know anything about the fine. No, you don't. I mean, you don't, well, I actually spoke to an American tourist who actually hired a car, would you believe, hired a non-compliant car, and went in and they got this fine sent to them in the States, and I know them quite well. But they thought they, it's the sign said low emission zone they were coming into. Oh, great. And she turned to her husband and simply said, we're going into a really clean area, aren't you? Isn't that lovely? Yes. They didn't know they had to pay for the privilege. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the key thing, isn't it? We're told by the London Mayor, Sadiq Khan, all the time that this is about saving lives and oh. air pollution. Now, the fact is, the pollution levels in London, as with all other cities and towns in this country, okay. has been I mean, plummeting for years. The air are not that interesting, to be honest. But that what is, is true, interesting, yeah. what is interesting is that um, if that man gets elected as mayor, then the whole of ULES will come down. And the amount of money that Khan has already wasted, um, taxpayers' money, you know, uh, money that should be spent on improving the, the lives of people within inner and greater London, will just be absolutely wasted, which I, I have to agree is the only course of action that the next mayor, because it won't be Khan, has to take. But it just... It, it, it makes my blood boil that those millions of pounds spent on the concept of this revenue-making con, ULES, will be gone and it will just be written off. They'll just wait to collect the next lot of taxes from us. Um, £12.50 to, to pay a charge for this. And you have to do this all the day. time. Per, per day. Per day, yeah. Every time you use your car. I, I watched a, a video earlier on. It was satire. But it was uh, the same guy wearing different disguises as if he was talking to his friend over the garden fence. And someone in London earning, let's say, £3,500 a month. And they went through discussing the whole Euless thing about how much his mortgage is, how much he would be taxed on that £3,500, um, how much his TV license is, how much his council tax is. And not even taking into account food, you know, the monthly shop for food, the person was left with about £80 out of that 3500 per month if they use their car every day with Euless with, with at £12.50 every time you leave your drive. It's, it's outrageous. And I've also seen people go to the underground with air pollution detectors you know, the transport for London, the public transport system, the London Underground Metro or subway, whichever you'd like to call it, is heavily polluted. These are electric trains, by the way. I was but getting ready to ask, you're talking about the, the underground. I'm actually curious because these are electric trains. I've been on the London Underground. How is it? Is it like, how is it what he's talking about? How, how is it that bad? I mean, I know you go on it 
obviously quite often, but how, how is it that polluted if it's an electric train? Because it's underground and things that are heavier than air tend to sink and you've got great big fans sucking normal pollution, uh, you know, normal levels, acceptable levels out of the streets of London and blasting it into the underground system. Ah, I see. So that's where it all winds up um, uh, because it it concentrates down there. So rather than Euless, if they were really to approach this from uh, a way in which your average man, woman or self-identifier on the street could cope with so that they don't get their, their vehicles taken from them would have been to put scrubbers you know, in into um, into operation, things that actually clean the air up. Um, we know that the whole carbon capture thing, especially in the states, is is just a big fraud by Kerry. Uh, he's one of the people, yeah. But you've also got the Environmental Protection Agency, which is the you know a enforcement arm of the government that will come in, and it's basically all it is is it's a way for them to just seize your farms. That's all it is. Yeah. If you go on, if you just for just to give you an example, uh, I was listening to somebody talk about this the other day. If the EPA comes onto your land and says, we need to build a carbon capture thing or whatever, and they'll dig these big trenches or whatever uh, to, to put in there, whatever it is they're putting in. And if you as the landowner, as in you're not leasing that land, you own it, right? We, we own our land in America, at least we're supposed to. If you interfere in any way, shape or form, they will arrest you for obstruction of justice environmental justice, criminal, you know, any anything like that. And they will charge you and you'll have your land seized. So there's nothing that the landowner can do. No, he just has to, or they have to just take it and, um, and be accepting of it. Otherwise, they're going to lose their liberty and lose even more money and probably all of their land. It's if you fight it's them in real- court, yeah, if you if you take it to court, let's say, you know, you want to do the legal thing, then it becomes lawfare. You will not win against an army of lawyers, climate lawyers at that. Yes, they do exist. They've sat in front of our House of Representatives and our Senate. We've played clips of them here before, and it's insanity on trial listening to these people. And so if you think you're going to win against that, against a government that has a bottomless checkbook using your own money, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah, but I mean, there are devices there are pieces of machinery that can suck in the air um remove carbon particulate out of the air and blow it back out again that would have been a better use of of the money in in big cities that are trying to incorporate these low emission zones than than what he suggested because what he has put into place is just a revenue creating scheme and one that helps the 15-minute city, by removing people's ability to own a vehicle, makes them suddenly totally reliant on public transport, on not be or not having to go far from their homes to reach the few facilities that they will be allowed. And it's just total evidence and, and indication of the whole WEF 15-minute city, great reset, you'll own nothing and be happy future that these bastards have planned for us. So Khan, he right when we started these podcasts, and, and more or less the first thing we kicked in with after we talked about Boris Johnson's election, for which I was hopeful at the time, how wrong I was about that. But we were right, or I was right, 
when I said, let's not forget what has happened now, when we started talking about COVID, about the first lies that were told, about it was a, you know, a, a zoological transfer. No, it was made in a lab in Wuhan. And let's not forget that. Four, nearly four years down the line, people have started to forget it. Likewise with Khan. Don't forget what he's tried to do with Euler's, the money he's wasted. That man should never work again. Any pensions and private investments that he has should be seized and fed back into um, you know, the, the coffers of, of the Greater London Council and, and the mayor's office. And he, he's a criminal. His actions have been criminal. And um, if you've seen him on any of the, um, I don't know what, what they call them, where the mayor is asked to answer questions by a like panel. The, the press conferences, like the, the prime minister's questions kind of thing where he... Yeah, but there, there's other inquiries as well that go on within the council. And, and, you know, so the policies that local government is enforcing, they have to go through these things and, and answer questions. He's just so dismissive, so arrogant. Um, and he's arrogant because he thinks he is going to get away with it. And we must make sure that Sadiq Khan does not get away with the amount of money he has wasted and the people's lives he's tried to ruin with this whole ULES policy. You're absolutely right, my friend. Uh, and I don't think that any of our UK listeners would disagree with you. And that goes for all of the um, uh, the UK, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland and England. We were going to talk a bit more about, and we haven't done yet, about specific cases of Film footage and stills within Maui, weren't we? We were, yes. Uh, I don't know if you've been following what's been going on down there uh, and uh, some of the just the, the crazy things that I've been seeing. Uh, and these are these are actual photos of, of what's been going on. These are uh, drone uh, snapshots that have been taken. And I'll be honest with you, my friend, I don't have an explanation for this. I do not. Now, I've heard this this concept of directed energy weapons. I've heard this. I'm not trying to pay it any credence, but I mean, I, know, I understand we have advancements in, in things. I, I get it. But I don't, again, I don't have an explanation for this. I spent a lot of time as a kid, as did you. We were, I think we were both Boy Scouts. Yeah. We spent yeah. a lot of time outdoors. And so I understand how dangerous it can be when you're out and and you have the potential to catch things on fire, right? So you you know you got your campfire and you got to make sure that that fire doesn't spread because you don't want it to become a raging out of control wildfire. So I, I'm understanding of how this stuff works. I've seen wildfires and I've seen controlled burns, and I don't have an explanation for this. These are you're going to see in this, you're going to see structures, so homes and businesses, and they're going to be surrounded by vegetation. And when I say vegetation, we're talking about pine trees, cedar trees, trees that go up like a match when they come in contact with any kind of a flame, right? So rather they're live or dead, but they are chocked full of just flammable material. And so what I see here are structures that are literally burnt to ash, I mean, yep. ash, there's there's not even a, a wall left standing in some of these things. And that to me, that that indicates an extremely high temperature when you see that. And it has to be localized. I usually when I see the aftermath of wildfires, I usually still see the outer lying structure of of a building. I usually see it still standing, you know, rather rather that's, um, you know, wh whatever metal they have in there, you know, any kind of metal studding or, or whatever. But I usually see that still standing. I don't see that in any of this. And I see green 
live vegetation. And I see structures in the middle of all of these that were completely yeah. untouched. This for makes benefit, no sense to me. For the benefit of the listener, the, this drone footage, which is pretty good, shows major structures, buildings burnt to the ground. And right next to them, uh, I mean, literally right next to them are some trees. In fact, the majority of the trees in the area have survived the fire. And then <laughs> you, you've got other buildings which are completely untouched. Any forensic fire investigator would say that what you're looking at there inside the buildings is where the seat of the fire was. If we are to assume that these were wildfires, then the vegetation certainly around those buildings would be gone, uh, burned, consumed by fire. But the buildings themselves uh, would have been damaged, of course, but not completely destroyed as they are in these uh, in, in this drone footage. Now, I think physics recognizes about seven different types of energy. So fire is heat. That's a form of energy. My experience doesn't extend to wildfires. It extends to hurricanes. I've been on the West Indies guard ship um, a couple of times, and we were both times when I was on deployment out in the West Indies and within the Gulf of Mexico, along the coast of uh, up to Florida, we experienced hurricanes. And part of our job is to offer hurricane relief. So the ships that go out to the West Indies to do drug interdiction and to be a guard ship for our interests out there also carry extra materials, food, water, chainsaws, heavy repair equipment. And we are trained to go ashore, re-establish electrical supplies, re-establish water supplies, even build people's homes. And we're talking these kind of red, you know, rough and ready shack type shelters. But I've seen it after a hurricane where you'll have one building standing, which is a, you know, a plywood shack and next door to it, a building completely destroyed that was a modern uh, brick built metal reinforced dwelling. So there is no rhyme or reason um, when it comes to uh, wind, as in the force of a hurricane and, and tidal swells and those kind of things. But with fire that is supposed to be a wildfire, which would have started within the natural vegetation surrounding those buildings, you'd see the vegetation burn and the buildings partially damaged. Of course, in some cases, completely destroyed. But what I'm seeing there from that footage, um, I'm calling bullshit on. I have to say the same. I don't, again, I don't have an explanation for that. I've looked, and, and that's not the only one. I mean, I've looked at, at different things, and I I don't have an explanation. I, I see... Well, I've, I've seen some videos where um, vehicles with aluminium uh, wheels, the aluminium wheels have completely melted and are running in rivulets yeah, yeah. Uh, away, and yet other things surrounding that vehicle totally undamaged. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Whatever is happening there, I don't think has got as much to do with natural wildfires as it has to with the plan to move these people in these outlying areas into the cities. It's the destruction of homes is what I'm seeing there. Just just looking at it from the evidence that I've seen, it looks like the destruction of homes rather than a wildfire. I mean, those 
great big palm trees behind there for the, again for the benefit of the listener you've got several vehicles that look like they were parked un, under some kind of um sun shelter we used to get this a lot out in the middle east you couldn't leave your car parked out in the sun because if you tried to get back in it after an hour or two in 50 degree heat uh your hand your, the skin would come off your hands when you touch the steering wheel even just opening the car you were likely to suffer second degree burns but at the back of this carport where you've got all the burnt out cars you've got one two three four oh, there's uh, more. palm look, trees look back oh there. yeah I'm, I'm sure there's more they, they go right the way down it yes they they look like they've been damaged by fire but they're still standing and they still have leaves like the, the palm fronds are still yeah, there still got fronds yeah earlier in the other footage with the uh with the house completely turned to ash you've got green leaves on a tree no more than 50 60 yards away from the house yeah the this this there's something that just doesn't smell there's right something about wrong. all of this there's something yeah. really wrong here and i i don't know what it is uh and it's just i apologize for the the image there on the screen but uh i, I well yeah sorry in, in the middle of all this is a uh, the body of a dog completely burnt, but it hasn't burnt to ashes. And yet you look around and you've got cars that have melted. So the the melting point of 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 most metals is is quite high. It's and like yet these cars have yes, yeah, like twenty five hundred degrees Fahrenheit, I think. In, yeah. In some in some cases, that's hot. And you've got trees that are still standing. Yeah. It's something's very very wrong with what we're seeing. So most people won't even analyze it because they probably won't even look at the footage. They'll hear it on the news and they'll just assume that the climate experts, inverted commas, are, are right and that these wildfires are due to climate change. That will be their assumption. They will not look any further. But if they did look at any of that footage, even the most, shall we say, intellectually challenged would have to start asking a few questions. Indeed, uh, like I said, I just I, I'm still like I'm I'm kind of blown away by it. I I just I I can't I can't believe I, I don't want to go down the conspiratorial route, but when I see that, I see that as you say, something's wrong there, and I I don't know what it is. And it just so yeah. happens that the the state governor down there has been promoting 15 minute cities. And guess what? Guess where they want to put a 15 minute city right there, where all of that happened. Yeah. Uh, and my nagging thought at the back of my head is that was entirely the plan from the start. And yes, these these islands do suffer from wildfires. The Greek islands, where I was a little while ago, suffering from wildfires. But you look at the evidence and you look at this footage, you cannot you cannot assume that you are being told the truth. You have to question it. All right. Well, I suppose we will uh, we'll start to wind down here a little bit. Uh, Marty, are you aware of um, you aware of Burning Man? You know what Burning Man is? Burning Man's a festival. Is it, is. it in the Nevada yeah. desert? It is. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's 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 frequented by uh, a very uh, very interesting individuals. You can go online and you can have a look and you can just type in Burning Man and you'll get all kinds of interesting uh, characters. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm happy to share just a few with you uh, right here, just for a, a point of reference here. These are some of the uh, the shots that you'll see from uh, some of these uh, these festivals there. It's, it basically it looks like something out of Mad Max. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just a bunch of crazy people in the 
in the desert that take over. You know, they they have this this big wooden man that they bring in uh, like this, and they burn him in effigy uh, every year uh, because of I'm not quite sure. But anyway, uh, this year uh, they they decided that they were going to uh, have some climate protesters uh, show up at the venue uh, and they were going to uh, blockade. You know how Extinction Rebellion and, and Just Stop Oil, you know how they like to sit in front of uh, in front of traffic in yeah. the UK? Yeah. Well, they decided that they were going to do that at this festival this year in protest of the climate. And I want you to see what the Nevada Rangers did in response. Oh, yeah, I have seen this. Okay, so a great big um, pickup truck has just run straight through the um, the blockade, the, the back, the posters of these these um, climate protesters. And now he's... You see... I, I can't be on side with this, I'm afraid. As much as these people have blocked the highway, none of them were armed, none of them were moving aggressively towards the officer, but he's drawn his weapon and is now kneeling on someone and arresting them. Um, I believe in pre peaceful protest. The fact that these people um, are sadly misguided doesn't mean that they don't have the right to peacefully protest and if they're you know treated like that it's only gonna it's only gonna breed more um of, of they're, they're gonna become martyrs it is is what's gonna happen i'm glad you brought this up because there there is something that i wanted to talk about and it was kind of at the back of my mind uh and i'm i'm not fully researched into it but we've just passed new legislation here in the uk which is about attending uh, or rather people guilt people found guilty of crimes attending their sentence sentencing there's been a couple of high profile uh, cases just recently where the person found guilty of some quite or people found guilty of quite serious crimes have refused to attend uh, the sentencing because they just stayed in prison. They didn't want to come, which means that the families of the people that they've hurt didn't get to see their eyes, to see their expression as the sentence was la laid down to them. Uh, so the law has been changed to allow government to use reasonable force to make sure that those found guilty of crimes attend their sentencing. Whereas before they had the right to be sentenced in absentia and didn't have to be there. I kind of get that. I kind of get, I know, I know this seems to be going off topic slightly and I apologize. I kind of get that because people want that closure. The families of the babies murdered by the nurse that as you know, she was accused and found guilty of murdering at least seven infants. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't attend her sentencing because she was sentenced to spend the the rest of her life she will never get out of jail and that doesn't happen often in the uk um one of the other ones was the manchester bomber they didn't attend the their sentencing and the families of those killed in that in that um you know in, what's the word now 
Well, it was Islamic terror- terrorism. The seven, seven bombings. No, it's the ones that, that was the Ariana Grande. All concert. those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't attend either. Yeah, they should have been there. Family should have seen their expression and uh, got some closure by, by watching them be sentenced. So it's one of those changes to the law that I would probably support if I trusted my government. But I don't trust my government. And likewise, I would support the actions of uh, the Nevada Rangers there in breaking up that pointless, pathetic protest if it wasn't for the fact that when we do need to protest, our rights to do so will no longer be there. So, you know, I, I can kind of applaud the guy for driving his vehicle through the banners and getting them to shift off the road. But the point where he comes out with his weapon drawn against pe- unarmed people, that's totalitarian, crappy bullshit right there. It is. You're laughing, you but it's, I, it's I, funny. I, it is funny. It is funny. But uh, do you see my point? That I do, yes. I as do much as point. we can celebrate, you know, a successful breakup of, of, a, of a ridiculous protest that was just there to annoy people, we can't really celebrate it because... Uh, just for the benefit of the listener, Johnny is now yawning. I'm boring him. So no, I'm <laughs> doing that because I'm legitimately tired. I had a window guy show up this morning. First thing. So. All right. I used to get that in in my on the on the fifty second floor. I'd be there, you know, enjoying an afternoon watching TV, playing a computer I know. game. I know. You used to talk. And to then me the during guys those times, would so. come down on abseils to clean my windows. And of course, at that height, you you don't feel like you need to draw your blinds or your curtains or drapes, depending on what part of the com- uh, pond you are from. Yeah, no, I know. Thanks for showing me that. But I'm, I'm in that 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 two minds position about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have to come down on these little snowflakes with a strong hand, unfortunately. But I don't know what that fine line is going to have to be. I would rather it was the citizens that they are inconveniencing came down on them. And the police than, alone. Yeah. Than the police you know, and, and so if someone's blocking my um, travel on the highway, I want the right to get out of my car and remove them. I don't need the I, I don't need the police to do it for me. But at the same time, if it was a protest that I agreed with, I'd probably sit down and join them. All right. Well, um, I didn't have anything else unless you would care to comment and give your considered and informed opinion on the the. Uh... Do you remember the footage I showed you a while back of the IRS agents that were being uh, uh, instructed on how to take someone down? Yeah, while one uh, of them I'd, shot and killed uh, another. I'd, I'd love IRS to see agent. that footage. I have not seen that footage. I say love to see it. I'm interested to see it. I don't think you it know. made the six o'clock news. No, uh, but these, if just to kind of give you a reminder, these are the individuals that they that they showed us that day. Uh, yeah. Of course, you see uh, that one there, and of course, I mean, you, you can't you you can't say that you wouldn't trust any of these people with a firearm. Would you? Well, looking at those lot there, I, I'd say, well, possibly not. But um, no, absolutely not. You know, I, I think personally, everyone should have a firearm, regardless of of um, uh, of their ability to use it safely. Everyone should have one on a gun range. This happened on a gun range in a controlled environment with instructors, and they can't even I, get that right. I've been. I don't know if you remember the Sterling submachine gun. It's uh, the the one with the curved banana-shaped magazine uh-huh. uh, based on the Sten gun, uh, and it was the the SMG of the British Armed Forces 
uh, as I was growing up, as I went from being an army cadet to being actually in the army for a short period of time. And I've seen uh, a, a five foot tall cadet because it used to climb up and to the right, actually fall over backwards as they were firing uh, an SMG. Uh, it was only the fact that as they fell over, the weapon jammed that prevented several rounds falling into the people who were sat behind. But accidents can happen. Out in the UAE, there are deaths every year on the military ranges because basically poor weapon handling takes place. Uh, safety is something that happens to other people. Um, this this comes from a country where putting your four-way hazards on creates a force field around your vehicle so that you won't crash into thing in anything in thick fog. Um, so it's um yeah, accidents happen on on ranges. Only good safety and good training uh, and highly qualified and observant range officers should be there to prevent such accidents. But no, you, again, you 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 get in this this age group that I talked about right at the start of this episode that are between eighteen and thirty five that have grown up playing Call of Duty, Battlefield, Fortnite. And don't have any real idea about just how dangerous a firearm is. And so therefore, their weapon handling and their their weapon safety leaves a lot to be desired. So the only person responsible for that accident isn't the person who pulled the trigger. It's it's the person who, who was meant to be there to stop it from happening, the, the range officers. And I'm assuming they would have been maybe 35 to 40 years old yeah they you see they weren't playing call of duty they were playing halo marty ah so the that, that, I mean. that was the so problem that, yeah, yeah yeah the instructors yeah. were playing halo i've been using firearms from about the age of 11 and i've never shot anyone i didn't mean to i, I guess that's as good advice as any you can give to somebody i've i've been around firearms since i was about five and i can't say that i've ever i've ever caused harm to another human being um uh, unintentionally <laughs> that's, that's the best i can do with that all right we're gonna go ahead and call this one done barring anything else you got anything else my friend i was gonna moan about me dentists but again that goes back to the whole incompetence thing i hope you get so that sorted I'll, out yeah uh, monday monday it will be sorted finally so yeah um no I'm, I'm all done thank you very much i i hope this doesn't um you know break the mold and and be the one podcast that i i don't enjoy listening to myself i am a bit narcissistic in in that respect so um thank you very much and have a good week until i see you next week i look forward to it my friend and every time you say that we end up getting more subscribers so perhaps you should break the mold more often so continue on with it all right that'll do it for us for today and for this week i'd like to thank you for being here today my friend thank you to all of the listeners god bless everyone have a great weekend we'll see you on monday